Leadership. What does that mean to you? To many, this word means authority, the one in charge, the boss. Leaders are expected to demand the right solutions, to provide the best outcomes, to fight the greatest threats. We cheer and sometimes beg for good leaders, believing it is the stagnancy of comforts or lack thereof that has brought us our current grief. Unfortunately, none of these beliefs are what make up leadership. Instead, the aforementioned is a childlike cry for a parent, for someone else to push away the darkness and to do it quickly. These juvenile demands are not shared by all. There is a mature want for leadership, but what does that mean? In the book On Leadership, John W. Gardner writes, When we ask a question countless times and arrive at no answer, it is possible that we are asking the wrong question, or that we have misconceived the terms of the query. Real leadership is like the sail of a boat. It can be guided, it can be improved, and it should be repaired. It moves, not demands, the innovations that can solve our problems. This is not the instruction we receive when we labor, when we work at our lives or at our job. The laborer has been instructed that their leader is part of a hierarchy, that he himself has a leader. This does not make a leader. It makes a manager, and a manager is just another laborer. Welcome back to Audio Pong. It's good to be back in the studio. How you doing, Marco? I'm doing just fine. Thank you, Zach. It is a pleasure to be here as always. Very good. Very good. Okay, so in this intro, you say that a manager is just another leader, or is just another laborer. And what do you mean right. by that? Um, the point I'm making, uh, it's something I want to talk about today as well, is that we often, we often make the definition of leadership synonymous with authority. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that's always a mistake. I do think that um, we should draw a line between what leadership means or what a leader is and authority. And I know that sounds possibly confusing because it's it's convenient to just give authority to leadership. That is, in, in a sense, what the purpose of leadership is, is to... Um, is to find proper authority, I think is a better way to say it, rather than to always be the authority. And so I made the comparison to, you know, working at a job where you take your direction from your manager. Well, your manager isn't really a leader. He's another, or he or she is another laborer. And it's just a hierarchy of authority as opposed to mm -hmm. leadership, which I believe... Um, true leadership requires more input and direction than just doing what you're told. Yeah, and uh, the more I, I, I read about leadership, the more that I see them talking about too is that like you can lead from any position. You don't have to be in a leadership position Correct, to be yeah. a leader, which I think is very important to become into or to step into a, a leadership position. Like you have to have practice in some way because otherwise you're just gonna f fall flat because. Your first attempt is always going to suck, no matter right. what it is of anything. So you have to have some practice in yeah. leadership in order to um, to be like a manager or something like that. And you can take that as just another employee helping out your fellow, you know, workers, you know, teaching new people, newcomers, and things like that. So, yeah, I agree that um, managers can definitely just be another laborer, and that we do need to make a distinction between. Uh, uh, leadership qualities and a manager because i mean anyone could be um thrown into a leadership position and not necessarily be a qualified leader correct and i i also believe that um the reason i also made an analogy to like sailing is i thought it was fitting because i uh, i read the book or i am still reading i should say the on the book on leadership by john w gardner who i quoted and uh, it's an excellent read and he he makes a lot of so there, he touches on. I love when I find a book like this, or you know, I read the words of someone who essentially is 
telling me in a more succinct way what I already knew. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know what I believe, let's say. Oh, okay. So almost like a a confirmation thing. It's a bit, but, yeah, it's but, a bit confirmation bias. Yeah, it is. But it's also like it's also new information and it helps you to further define your ideas. So yes. it's useful. It's not just, you know, confirmation, echo chamber kind of thing. Correct. Yeah. It's a I think, you know, confirmation bias sounds like an egotistical or perhaps a negative term, but it's not. It you know, it's it's important to um to not ratify, but let's use that word. It's important to ratify what you believe to be true, right? It, and, and, and to know that what you're thinking or how you think the world works is how other people think it works. You know, that, that makes, uh, oh, that yeah, makes yeah, sense. it's like, okay, it's like, oh, cool, my reality is your reality. Awesome. Right. We're living in the same world right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that's also, uh, that's uh, always a little comforting for sure. It's, ve- it's very comforting. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and Gardner, looks at leadership the way I always have too. And just really a big part of it is the example you gave that you can lead from any position. And um, that's why I made the analogy with the sail because when you're on a sailboat, you're it's a lot of people working together to make the boat go in the direction safely that you want it to, oh, yeah. to reach its goal, to reach its end point. And so it's funny, I've been, <laughs> so I'm often what I would call the vizier. I'm the person who is a leader in a position that isn't of authority. Oh, and I, okay. I have had, let's say, job positions where I had authority, where I was a manager or I was, you know, a supervisor, things like that. But it didn't, nothing changed for me other than my responsibility had more attention or I gave it more attention, mm-hmm. if that's possible. But also that I call it the vizier because that's, you know, like, being in the position of, um, you know, a king's aide, you're in his ear. You're not, you're not the king himself, so to speak, right? But you're helping, you're helping everybody out by giving him good advice. So it's often what I'm trying to do when I'm trying to um, flex leadership qualities. I guess you could say in any situation, whether it's you know, even if I'm just hanging out with so friends and family, like or, trying to like uh, steer the ship right. through someone else. Right. You know, I'm like, not piloting, but I'm. I'm telling, I'm giving him advice on, you know, how to pilot or where to pilot. Yeah. And without being too demanding, because I know we've, we've talked about before where, you know, there's, there's positive and negative manipulation. Yes. Uh, right. You know, like ways to influence, let's say. Yeah. Um, a good outcome for someone or a group of, of people. And I, I think that that's usually the role I'm trying to play. I think the worst, I, I haven't, I haven't always impressed others with my attempts. I mean, I've, someone once called me the, the shadow Lord of the bullies. <laughs> what does that but mean? I, the sh- I like that term though. I, that's a good title. I would like to be called the shadow Lord of the bullies. Yeah. It, it, it sounds cool. But I think what they were trying to say was like, you know, I'm, I'm a bully myself, but You're without being in bully. front. Yeah. I'm a secret bully. Like I'm just influ- <laughs> influence others to bully for me. And I, you know, it made me think, well, it made me sit back and think about what I was doing and wonder is if this person is right. They weren't. Um, they were wrong. Okay. They they just either were confused or had some ill intent, uh, you know, that I never bothered to find out more of. But Well, I think that any manipulation that you're practicing is usually with good intentions. And it's not just for yourself. It's for the group or another person. Like, you're trying to promote the ultimate good. Like I've never seen you try and manipulate someone into doing something just for you, yeah. you know, in, in a selfish gain. No, I don't. I mean, I don't even think that way. And maybe I'm just lucky, you know, that I'm not that way. I, I certainly, I don't know if I've practiced being that kind of person. I mean, can you like, what are, what would you say are leadership qualities that you think even someone who isn't an authority should have? Um, I think you should be, you should try and focus on building your other, your other teammates up, right? Like not just like focusing on yourself, but once you got yourself good, you know, and that you, you understand your job and you have experience and stuff that you can start helping other people reach where you are too. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be stuck, you know, just focusing on yourself, head in the, the dirt. You can help these other people rise to your level and maybe past you i mean really 
all as they say all rising tides or uh, rising tides raise all ships right mm-hmm. so if if someone something good happens to your teammate that's also good for you i like it's, that yeah i've never heard that yeah no i, I like that a lot because it makes you feel really good when you don't get the thing you wanted <laughs> because someone else got it yeah <laughs> so maybe that's an important point yeah. but but it's it's still true it doesn't make it any less just because it makes you feel better about a situation no i i agree and uh, that makes me think of a motto, I guess you could say, I have myself, is that I, I want to celebrate other people's victories. You know, I feel that isn't that doesn't happen as often as it should. Maybe, no, maybe I, I think a lot here, of people but, just get jelly. You know, they're just like yeah. upset and they're like, oh, that should be me. They don't deserve this and all this. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm sure they worked hard to um, the things that... That f- the dominoes that fell into place for them just didn't fall in place for you this time. Right. But that doesn't mean that you didn't get better. It doesn't mean that this opportunity for them isn't also a good thing for you because, hey, maybe this position that they're getting, right, and they're going to be in a higher, more influential position. They mm-hmm. can, they know that you helped them out before, so they're going to help you out. Like, right. It's, it's just like, it's like this, um, social tally, right? Like people keep track in their mind, even subconsciously, mm-hmm. like how, that you've done good for them and that they owe you. That is true. I mean, of course, even I have, I think we all have those thoughts or we, or we at least talk to ourselves. I know I do about how to handle those kinds of thoughts. It's, it's like, when you do so much for, let's say, uh, a person or a group of people and you feel like there's no reciprocation, well, that means that you went in expecting it, right? Yeah, that's and, and not demanding it either, which is a right. mistake we all make. And I think that's a mistake that gets repeated far too often is that we, you know, some of us go in and we do a lot for others mm-hmm. and then we get upset when it isn't reciprocated. Well, that's that's selfish, I think, and that's also a mistake. I think that will ruin your own self character because you've quietly made you've made a secret demand of others to please you without ever demanding it from right. them. And it's not, in my opinion, you know, you're not a bully if you demand things from other people, especially if that if there's if there's an arrangement right. as simple it's a, as that it's to a be made. Transaction at that point, it really know? is, yeah, and. But going also off of the the point of like celebrating other victories and, you know, my belief in whenever I'm a teacher or when I want to be a teacher, my goal, I always feel like a proper teacher, the goal of a proper teacher is to want to be a student again, right? Okay. Not to just always be telling others how things work or what to do. Mm-hmm. And so that because that's where the joy, the joy of, of being good at something is in the learning of it, right? Yeah, no, I, I enjoy learning and getting new knowledge. I think I think I like the end goal of learning. I don't know if I like the process of learning itself. I feel like that's kind of arduous and, and frustrating. But like the end result is what I'm always searching for, you know, having the knowledge. Yeah, having the knowledge is very like once you first earn the, the new knowledge or you, you master it, let's right. say, that's very rewarding. But I find that once you master something, all that's left really is adulation. Right. You're just trying to please yourself and or others with what you've mastered. Mm-hmm. And that I don't want to sound like I'm trying to cheapen that or, or, or sell it short. That is obviously the goal of whatever your vocation or hobby and, and desires are. But I find that, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm over. I'm, I'm see, I, I, I've never exaggerating. like I never got to that point because I never felt like a master of anything because I always feel like I'm, it's never, there's always a bigger fish, right? There's always another level that you can get to. Like, you're never at the top of anything. Like, you you know what I'm saying? Well, I, I hear what you're saying. I also, I, I also feel, based at least on my life experiences, that there's been very few moments in my life um, where I could say I felt I mastered something. But at the same time, I feel very proud that I can say that, or at least believe it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. And yes, there, you're, I think you're right, but I also believe that you reach a point of uh, degradation, right? Oh, like, 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 Where like a you're, bell curve, right? Like you, the, the beginning stages, you're learning a lot, and then it starts the, the learning starts to diminish. Like you're not learning as much as time goes on because you've already, you've already got to like the, 
the, uh, the better than than most point to get to become an expert it's going to be longer and harder to get even to that's that next true level. that is true i'm actually i think what i'm talking about is just beyond that point where you run into factors that are uncontrollable like aging okay um you know and, and most things that we do obviously are physical even thinking technically is physical right and so everything can be can be can begin to degrade because you get older right yeah. and you're when you're at the top of your game let's mm-hmm. say with whatever it is that you're doing you are competing you have to be always competing in order to hold your position let's say yeah right? for sure so it's a matter of time before someone younger comes along and does it better right so that's where but i think that moment when that de- when that degradation first hits that should be in, in my mind i look at that as the first warning bell of applying good leadership because now it is a chance to to improve yourself as a teacher mm-hmm. and being a good teacher is to me a, a, an element of good leadership i think oh, that's yeah, maybe the sure. most important one if you know if not right at the top yeah i think being a teacher is a is a way of leading others and, and like you're saying, it also helps you learn yourself because I, I've noticed whenever I'm teaching someone, it's like I'm refreshing myself on the basics, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm teaching myself the intermediate again, and I'm teaching myself as well, like because I have to rethink and resolidify the, the because like when you're let's say horse riding, right? I was just gonna, say, yeah. Um, when you get to a certain level, you're not really thinking about your basics anymore. You just right. kind of do it. So it's not like. There's no articulation in your mind about it. There's no like formal thinking. You just kind of like, all right, I do my checklist. You know, is my body in proper position? Yes. Okay, good. Um, And that's pretty much you you just do that automatically. But what is the proper position, right? Like when you're trying to teach this to someone, you're like, all right, you got to have your heels down, toes in. Make sure you're not squeezing too hard and and holding on for dear life with your legs because that's just going to make the horse go and make him uncomfortable. Like when you're saying all these things to a new person, you're also refreshing yourself Mm -hmm. and it makes you a better rider. It just does because you're like you're solidifying it again. Just taking moments like that, I, I found helped me quite a bit are really rewarding to just even just when i'm alone and i and i i i learned it um let's say i made it i learned it better when i was riding because it just stopping myself like in the middle of the you know the arena and no one's paying attention to me and i'm just paying attention to what i'm doing and then i break down or i don't break down but i i or I break my mind down back to the basics mm-hmm. and sort of just do a checklist of what what's going on with me and i I almost always found at least a little bit of error. And that was that was good. That was I felt very healthy. It helped me relax in the future. I could just relax easier into these very basic things, these fundamentals. Yeah. Right. And I think that's true. I you know, there's I wish everybody could either have a military experience or a horse riding experience. I'm I'm actually a little envious of the military experience. I feel like there's a lot of qualities there can really if you pay attention when you're in the military they could really help you out in the future like look at like people like jocko willing who have like made a whole career out of Mm -hmm. like you know outside of the military but his military experience is a big part of his personality and his and his quality it's his foundation for sure yeah so and and he's created so much for himself out of it remind us who jocko willing is so jocko willing is um he was a um a Navy SEAL, I think he did like special forces and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm not sure exactly what what his his exact background is. Um but he has a podcast and he has several leadership books. Yeah, or he has I think he has two leadership books. And he actually wrote some kid book kids' books as well because he was tired of the the I don't know if you pansy that's is really the right yeah. word to use, but like for like the pussification of children pretty much like he just boys. didn't think there there was no there was no values being instilled mm-hmm. that were that he that he approved of for yeah. his kids right yeah so he's like well if these books aren't going to do it then i'm going to write my own books for my kids you know so mm-hmm. he's he wrote uh kid warrior and he he wrote some other books and made them for his kids and you know they got published i mean uh lewis carroll did the same thing that's a really and cool so did, so idea did, um Tolkien, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. He he wrote. You know, he these are people that wrote books for their kids, pretty much, and mm-hmm. got them published. J.K. Rowling, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of them. No, I think that's important. I think it's a, it 
it makes me feel like, yeah, like we forget that children are new people and they need to have the world explained to them. And, you know, <laughs> and, and things need to be told in, a, in well, an honest and positive way. You and know? they're sponges too. Like yeah. children, like they'll pick up anything. It doesn't positive or negative. They don't know the difference. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's still going to get solidified in their mind and they'll pick up those traits. Yeah. So you have to be careful what you expose them to. I mean, you can't protect them from everything. It's, you know, information age, right? So they're going to see, they're eventually going to see it all. You know, I, my dad was, one thing my father is good with when I was growing up was advice. And some advice he gave me that I, I still use today is I, he told me once that I can't save you from mistakes that you'll make or that from mistakes that other people make. And he said, also, I don't want to. He said, you have to learn how to be a man and handle your own affairs. He says, what I want to do is give you the right he didn't say tools, but that's what he meant. He's like, I want to, I want to give you the right tools for how to handle yourself in those situations, and hopefully you'll survive them well. And I always thought that was really good advice. And thankfully, he told me that very young, <laughs> uh, because in my teenage years, I probably wouldn't have been listening to him at all. You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I like I I did not know that Jocko Willink wrote books for children. That's that's a good thing. I wish you know more people should more intelligent people like him should do that i think they should really focus on yeah i'd like to see a jordan peterson kids book yeah so would i i would i would read it i mean yeah because he he understands the archetypes right he he has those like down and he knows how to he's a psychologist yeah anyone who studies people you know that's something i like to do i i consider that a hobby of mine which is you know studying humans and human interaction like social interaction yeah that's a very important thing for leadership too is is i think Okay, so there's different styles of leadership, right? There's like you, you got your democratic yeah, examples. You got democratic, you got autocratic. Um, so like your democratic is more like you're making group decisions, right? Like you're you're communicating with your team and you're making decisions kind of like off of that. Mm. Uh, autocratic would just be you like demanding things. Mm-hmm. Would be like the drill sergeant, right? Like you're just saying, "Go down there, you mm-hmm. do this, you do that." Authoritative, and, authoritative, yeah. right? So and then there's um transformative which is like lead by example kind of thing and you're also you're more people focused and you're trying to help them become the best that they can be and then there's uh, the laissez-faire which is kind of like where you just you have these broad suggestions of what to do there's deadlines are a thing but they're they're flexible and it's it's more like hey you know what needs to be done so just do it you know it's like it's more of a hands-off approach yeah, I, so I thought of, I broke, for me, I broke it down to the first three that you mentioned and they can be described in other words, but you use yeah. much better terms than what I was going to say. The fourth point, the laissez-faire point that you made, I really think that that's just a weaker version of the democratic. It's just a, it's just a weaker legislative approach to leadership. It's just more of a pullback. Yeah. Cause I it, feel it, like it, the first three you mentioned, that's where that's really the graph, the sphere, let's say, the triangle right. that you can be pulled into if you were like stats in a video game, let's say, mm-hmm. you know. So who, what kind of leadership do you, what kind of leader do you think you are? I mean, because well, I thought about it myself. I know, same. And I think that it depends on who you're leading, really, because all people yeah, are different. Yeah, it's like when yeah. you're teaching, too. Um, you can't just lead one way. You can't just teach one way. Right. At least in my opinion, I think that a good teacher will will change the way he teaches or she teaches to their student and a good student will try and learn the way their teacher teaches. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in the middle they'll meet, right? Because I mean, you can't completely change the way you teach or completely change the way you learn. Like it's just not going to, if, if we could do that, then we would all learn one way, right? Right. (laughs) Or we'd all teach one way. Uh, So I think my, my default though would be, I don't know. I guess I'll just describe it and you can tell me what category it fits into. I'll prescribe. I, I, I like to Don't I like notice. to take I like the Jocko Willings approach where everything is happening, you take a step back and you just kinda watch for a couple seconds and then you kinda like then you can make your call, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to take that breath. You have to remove yourself from a dramatic yes. situation in order to think clearly. Um 
So I'll, I'll do that. I'll kind of take a step back. What do I need to do? How can, where am I best served? Because if I'm not in a leadership position, I'm not just going to overstep. And, you know, if the leader's already leading, then I don't need to do anything. All right, right. cool. He's doing it. But if not, then I'll, you know, I'll help direct. I'll help like tell like, all right, we need to get this done and that needs to get done over there. So you guys do that. We'll do, we'll do this. And I also think, um, leading by example is a very big deal too. I think you need to be in the trenches with your people and you need to actually be like, you know, doing the work that you're telling them to do. Cause like, how else are you going to get respect? Like if you, if you're not doing the work, then why would they respect you? And yeah. if you haven't proven yourself to them, like they still, no matter how new they are, you know, if they're new, old, like they need to see that you're doing this because even if you, doesn't matter how much work you've put in in the past, a new guy who's just come on board doesn't know that. Yeah. So you still right. have to be actively doing things. You can't just take this like, oh, oh, I am now the king and I will take the first bite of every meal and I will like just sit on my throne and, you know, mm-hmm. relax. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that's an option. No, I agree. I also feel that. Um, it works against you when you don't have the people you're responsible for, say, on a team, uh, respecting you, at least respecting your position. I think that's an important distinction to make as well, is that the position that or the authority or the responsibilities mm-hmm. that you have as a leader, that needs to be respected first by yeah. those who are learning, let's say, how to how to how to use that leadership, how to benefit from it. And so that everybody can get the job, if it's just a job, can get the job done, no matter mm-hmm. how complicated it is. I think that's that's your fundamentals of like, you know, of anything, really. Yeah. And then another thing right. is if people are already doing the job, you don't really need to tell them what to do because they're already doing it. Yeah. The, so like, I, yeah. You don't need to hover on them and, and keep, you know, giving commands if they're already doing what they need to do. So I think it's it's very very okay to to sit back and let things happen if they're happening like you don't need to meddle in everything you don't need to what they say micromanage right Right. that that is i think that is the i think that is actually worse micromanaging is worse than not leading by example well especially like for someone who is very self-motivated like you i would never micromanage you right i would never like tell you what to do every hour right like you know what you need to do I would take a very hands-off approach with you. I would be personable with you, and I would I would establish a relationship because I think that's important too to establish relationships with your team members. Yeah, you you know everything you need to do, and you're well, doing you only, and you're doing it, and right. you're doing it efficiently, and you're doing it without being told what to do. You're always on your next task. All you should like, be looking you know, for is mistakes. Like, what if there is error? And then, well, I mean, I think you need to catch people doing good too. But yeah, yeah I know what you're no, saying. No, but I mean, that is your first responsibility, let's say, right? Like that's how, that's anytime I've had to, I had, so the whole idea of taking a breath and stepping back, mm-hmm. I had to learn that. I had to teach myself that because I, what I was susceptible to, I thought about this the other night was what am I, what are my weaknesses in leadership? And like, in other words, and that turned into a question that changed the question in my mind into what am I susceptible to do? Yeah, or two rather like mm-hmm. where am I, where is my guard dropped right and i realized that for me my guard is dropped by i don't know what to call them plane crashers let's call them basically people who act like everything's an emergency like they like they're in a plane crash right, right? and so they over exaggerate or they just they're they're they have no gauge for the violence of their their of their, everything is the yeah. worst problem everything's is a fire yeah, just, yeah. instant doesn't matter how you know important or not important it is and so i found that i was i was susceptible to that because i grew up part of it was because my childhood and the way i was raised was that everything is an emergency right you got to get things done right away there's no half ass Prior- work there's prioritize and yeah. execute you got yeah and you've got to mic you've got to learn to micromanage you've got to learn to spread yourself out you can't you know my my mother is a king of micromanaging but that comes at a cost that that really rattles the brain and it 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 works against you Ooh. i would say in 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 terms of being able to focus on yeah. a single I think you need to be task. able to build your team to where they can survive without you cuz they you're, yes. you're not always going to be there and they need to be able to make decisions when you're not there right and you don't and so that's what I realized my weakness is and so that's why I had to teach myself how to take a step back as you said mm-hmm. so if somebody runs up to me 
Oh, you know, unless it's unless I can assess the problem right away, of course, right? Maybe sometimes taking a step back is an instant thing, right? It's a half second. Right. You don't no, need yeah, a, no, yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be like <laughs> a yeah. day event, you know, or yeah, like, like I, yeah, yeah. I, like I zone out for 10 minutes and then come back. No, you like you literally yeah. just need to take like take a couple deep breaths or one deep breath even and just like look at what's happening, think about what needs to be done and do it. Right. Cuz otherwise I find that just knee-jerk reactions um, allow you to be manipulated too by people who want something from yeah. you right away, right? And I think that's important too. The power of um, of saying no to yourself and to others is, I think, a lesson that we should all learn first. We should learn to say no before we learn to say yes because we're born saying yes, yeah. right? We're, we say yes for the first third of our life. To everybody, not you know what I mean. I mean, there's yeah, there's everything. rebels amongst yeah. us, right? You know, and and we all have a uh, our phases and periods of of testing no. Let's call it the power of no. Mm-hmm. But I think that saying no is really, really, really important. I think more people fail at that than they do at at, at saying. So yes. how do you know? Do you just need to find what your own limits are, and then just go right above to that those limits? Go like right there. So because I mean, you always want to be improving, right? And you always want to be taking tasks that are going to they're going to promote you and your team so do you want to like take on just enough so that you're being able to grow is that like what you're saying or is are you and not overextending pretty much i would say i'm trying to think of a good analogy but my mentality has always been to be not first of all not greedy but to have a goal okay if you have a goal you have a let's say you have three goals, okay? You have your 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 top goal, your first goal is or the the goal at the top is the biggest goal, mm-hmm. right? That's the one you need that everybody should want and that you need help getting to. Okay. okay. Then below that is let's say your middle goal. Now your middle goal is really more of a leadership goal, a team goal, right? That's your bar. Because you want you want everyone to get to the middle goal, whatever it is. And then the bottom goal, the first goal, is really just logistics. That's making sure that you aren't taking off too much yourself, but you are keeping ahead. So when I say don't be greedy, I mean that, yes, you we're growing, but we're steady. Because you always have, like going back to horse riding, you have to have your basics, your aids, right? Mm-hmm. Your fundamentals have to always be there. And from time to time, they're going to get, they need to be tested to make sure they're still good, right? It's just like having, having form in a fight or like when I was in, what I loved about karate when I was in it as a teenager is the, um, how serious you have to take it, how, how much of a difference your, or your form makes in throwing a punch or throwing a kick mm-hmm. or defending against it. I mean, it's, it seems so minute, but it's those little details that yeah, make it's the same, same thing with difference. like working out, right? Yeah. If you don't have proper form, you're not hitting your muscles in the right way. You might, you could be if you're doing like a a lat pull down, but you're like leaning forward and you're like you're pulling it down in a in a, in a more wrench like a angular way. You end up using your shoulders, and you're not you're no longer using your lats, and you're not growing your lats. You're growing your shoulders, but it's the not the purpose of the exercise. No, that's exercise actually is a perfect analogy um, in terms of like what I just made up, let's say a few mm-hmm. moments ago, which was so like your top goal when you're when you want to improve your bench press is your max press. Right. Right. That's what you're. And the, the people in, involved in that are the different muscle groups of your body right? Okay. that are involved to get to that goal that you've got to communicate and teach and build up. Right. In order to okay. get to that goal. The middle goal. Right. Is making sure that you're you're moving ahead so every time you do go to work out you have the the idea you're thinking about progression even if you aren't reaching it okay in that exercise that day you're thinking about that progression right so that's what's in your immediate thought every time you exercise because you don't think about your max press every time that's just that's your long-term goal whatever right right and then the bottom goal the first goal those are the goals that's really more than one goal that's lots of goals that you are hopefully meeting every day so every time you go to work out you're meeting those bottom goals those are your check that's kind your of checklist. like your preparation like yes. nutrition and uh right uh getting enough sleep you know Correct. going into the gym with the right mentality you know not absolutely yeah. like that. okay all those things fall into the bottom goal so 
that way, if you look, if you apply that to this, that's what I do. I apply this idea to like just about everything because that way I can tell this way you can gauge where the failure is. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you're failing in your bottom goals, the goals that you should be meeting, that you're trying daily. to hit daily. Yeah. Right. Then it, it's a it's a reverse. It's a pyramid effect in reverse. Right. It, it, or just in general, you like can't everything go falls up. apart. You can't scale up. You can't you go can't. up. Yeah. Yeah. So I think establishing that into Every person you work with, whether you're in charge or not, is important. I I know for certain there's been many times in my life where I inspired lazy people to work. I'll, I'll give you an example. I worked with a gentleman um, when I was... I worked with many guys, so I won't name who this is. But I worked with many guys when I was a machinist, mm-hmm. right? And when I first went to go work with this particular gentleman, uh, other co-workers warned me. You know, and I didn't even know them or the guy, but they were friendly, they thought, and they were trying to give me advice, you know, be careful with this guy, don't trust him, he's lazy, all he wants to do is talk, yada, 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 yada. So anytime I get warned about someone I don't know, I'm always on my guard, and my first thoughts are, thank you, I'll find out. I'll find out on my own. I don't need yeah, to go true, in. Mark. You totally do find out on your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you will you will take the uh the advice with a grain of salt, you know. Right. And kind of like listen to it like and take it in and then you'll just go find out for yourself. You need you you uh definitely do self-testing. I do. I I I never take anything really at face value. Yeah. And sometimes I can work against you. But not always. Most of the time, I find it's useful. Yeah, no, for sure. Because you but have what to form happened? your own personal opinion, for sure. I think you should. That's important. You need to because you can't you can't just walk around carrying other people's beliefs automatically because now they're they're controlling you. They've 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 infiltrated your mind. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is a, this is a tangent, but it, it totally uh, it involves what we're talking about. So Jordan Peterson talks about the, a group of monkeys that were in taught to not hit a button right mm. or it was no it was go go on a ladder so they would climb the ladder to get the banana and every time they'd climb uh climb the ladder they'd all get shocked well eventually these monkeys uh learned that the getting going on the ladder and getting the mon- the banana shocks you so they, what they started doing was uh they would beat monkeys that would that would go on try and get on the ladder to get to the, the banana that were like new and then eventually they would beat the other monkeys the other monkeys okay. would be would be to stop that monkey from getting up on the ladder and getting the banana because uh-huh. they didn't want to get shocked and because they learned right that that's what happens um but eventually they would pull all these monkeys away you know and slowly start to they would all be new monkeys that have never been shocked and they, but they have culturally learned mm-hmm. that going on the ladder and and getting the banana will shock them, or not necessarily will shock them, but the, te- the they learn the threat. But they learn to to stop any other monkey from going up there and beat that monkey. So, like what you well, were saying, that was the point that I that I wanted to make was yeah. that I went to go work uh, with the person I mentioned, and I I I I was diligent. I I learned. I didn't I, any praise I got early. I didn't you know. You know, flaunt it in any way because that's also a mistake, I think, you know, to do. And what happened? I started working with this person alone. We were and, you know, I was I was a gentleman with him and I was respectful with him. Mm -hmm. And he could see that I, you know, I that I was because the way I treated him was fair. Right. So what did I do? I set the rules for our our engagement, let's say, our social engagement, our, our, our need to work together, because that's what mattered to me was not what kind of person he is, but yeah. what we are going to accomplish, what we have to accomplish together. Right. So once I set the ground rules for that I'm fair with you, then if you aren't fair with me, you are the problem. And yeah. most people don't want <laughs> to be a problem, right? Right. They want to be accepted. So in that way, what happened? He and I worked great together, and we had one of the best operating cells in the building like where the machines that we ran mm-hmm. and i didn't i didn't do most of the work you know what i mean it wasn't because i was picking up slack he worked very hard and he worked well next to me and the conversation we were able eventually to have fun conversation and to be silly yeah. but still accomplish our the, goals yeah. our jobs so that was one example but there maybe that's not a great example but there were definitely other times where i well, know no, for I a fact think that I, is a very yeah. good example what you're saying is like not just taking in what other people say as face value and and, and self-testing and making you know because you can establish a whole new relationship with this guy right and you could 
for better or worse term, manipulate him into doing work. I mean, right. that's what you did. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Because what I heard uh, from from Jocko was that there's the difference between manipulation uh, being negative or positive is is that negative, just like straight manipulation, what he says, is a benefit for the self. Leadership is benefit for you and the team. Right. So to me, that is just manipulation. But he's just like defining leadership with with the word manipulation pretty much. But like the benefit for the group. One of my favorite things that he said on his podcast uh, when he was asked about what it was like to to deal with um, team members, um, especially like in military training, they have a real problem with authority or, or listening, right? Because we all know there's plenty of, there's people like that. And maybe we've been that way ourselves. Oh, I don't, I don't get along with a lot of authority. So he, what he said was, it, again, it made me think of horse riding. Um, he said he'd rather have someone who has too much willpower and too much energy than someone who, who doesn't because it's, it's easier and it's and it's better to have to rein someone back than it is oh, to push them forward. Yo, for sure, though, yeah, like, that is so true. Yeah. Like, and you're saying that equated for you with riding? Yeah, I totally 100%. get that. Yeah. I hated riding Mocho for that reason alone because he's just a lazy, <laughs> garbage horse, and yeah. and like. And like I hate having to kick a horse over and over again, mm-hmm. and then, and then he finally goes. I'm like, dude, if you just did this, you wouldn't have gotten kicked. You would have just we would have we could have had a good time, man. Like, why wouldn't you give me a? We could have had fun. Yeah. But um, but then you get like a horse that's really skittish and it's like wild and has a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Like that's when it's fun. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, because then it feels like you feel accomplished when you get that horse calmed down too. It's like. I don't know. I don't want to use the word conquering because it sounds kind of like it sounds it sounds draconic and, and mean and evil, but it's not. It's mm. just it just it, that because like not only did I conquer this animal, but I conquered myself. Right. Right. Like I, I beat myself because I didn't lose control. I didn't like, you know just like start kicking the horse for no reason and start like wailing and start like yanking on his mouth and stuff. Like I kept my cool and I got the result that I needed. And that, that, I don't know. I, I find so much like worth in that alone. So John Maxwell, he, he used to be a, a reverend and he became like the, the top like 10 uh, churches, like for numbers uh, when he was like 28. And it was, this is like 10. You mean in terms of, of members? Uh, yeah, members of, the, okay. of his church, right? So he's like one of the biggest churches. He mm-hmm. became like, um, now he's like doing like leadership courses and things like that. And he's, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he still preaches, but he's, you know, it's still in his blood, you know. Uh, he says that everything thrives on good leadership. That you need to have in order to to thrive, you need to have a good leader, and part of that is self evaluation. And he says, what he, one of the things he would do with his kids is like after every experience, he would ask them, uh, "What did you love, and what did you learn?" So, and, and in that, like he would he pretty much taught his kids how to self evaluate, how to evaluate situations that they mm-hmm. and experiences they've had. Because after like they were both like after they were ten, after ten years of this, they would just tell tell them what they loved and what they and what they learned. So, what are some experiences that you've had that you self evaluated on and like kind of like been critical about? Uh well, I guess the when it comes to leadership, the cheap answer is that I always, I always do that, uh, and sometimes I get lost in critical self evaluation. So I don't. I try. I it, it comes naturally naturally for me to do that all the time. So instead, what I focus on is how to not let it paralyze me. Mm. Um, but that said, I think one of the great I've had a lot. Of, there's so many good. I mean, there's so many stories I could tell. But one that comes to mind first was um, when I worked in uh, road construction as a um, as an inspector. Uh, we had a, there was a large job and now to give you some reference, I had been doing like road inspection for about a year 
So I was new at it. I didn't I didn't go to civil engineering school. I had to learn how to read these complicated, you know, um, architectural designs and things like that and plan books on my own. And I started as a surveyor. So anyway, um, a big job came up where lots of different crews need to be put together by um, the Illinois Department of Transportation, IDOT. Uh, and the job was to change all the trusts, many, many signs on trusses and some trusses along the different high highways of Northern Illinois. And because they were, they were updating the uh, cost of, um, the toll. So it, it, it's actually a big undertaking because, uh, each team had to have what they call these attenuators, these long, um, anti, uh, vehicle trucks to sort of redirect traffic because you have a, what they call a moving closure. So you have like a pocket, an island of trucks and cars and people moving through the highway, you know, live while all the, everybody else, all the other commuters are there. And you have to move down the entire length of the highway. And, you know, many of these highways are tens of miles long, right? Yeah. They're very long. So I had no idea that they were going to pick me to lead one of these crews. I had never, you know, I, I had caught big mistakes and done important things, but I'd never been in charge of all these people that, A, knew the job better than I did. You know, they worked on the highway. They worked in IDOT, most of them, like, all their lives. And one of them was in his 60s, and he was supposed to be my uh, partner, right? And if, and if anything, he should have been teaching me and helping <laughs> me out. Well, he was useless for the really? most part. And I found that I just, I learned so much in that night. And that was a 24-hour straight shift. That's the longest shift I've ever had to do, you know, in my life. And especially with construction, that was long hours anyway. But... It was on New Year's Eve, and we had we had two car accidents because we at one point I had to split up our crew into do two different crews because there were all these problems that that were that were you know that couldn't be accounted for that were coming up on the job and you have a schedule you have to get things done right right um, so I'm really proud of that experience because I was able to use so much of what I had learned up until that point in my life. Not just from construction work, but from other jobs and other experiences. And I, right. I felt so thankful. I really did. Like, it all came with, you know, people say, like, you you know, be, you, your life flashes before you when you die. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I was thought I was going to die, but in, in some way, my life was flashing before me and giving me all this good advice, like, really quickly. <laughs> so, um, though we had uh, problems, though we had two accidents, you know, and we had fire department and police involved we were boom we were still rolling we kept things going i managed to or somehow you know organize it all and keep it going without losing without really having any downtime for the job and and that it taught me so much it taught me it improved my ability um to work with other people you know perfect other professionals because they mostly again many of the people i was working with were educated they had college degrees you know and they've been doing what they were doing for years and you know i was an inspector i went from a so, survey to an inspector was it that people thought that you were right for the job or was it more and that these other people just weren't right for it or were they trying to give you a chance to I, move up i want to believe they were you were giving me a chance to move up i had a lot of praise from resident engineers that i had worked with um, I had a lot of praise from my own company that I was working with at the time. I, and I had praise from, um, I won't name her, but she was a really nice lady. Uh, she was an engineer who worked for IDOT directly. She was one of their top engineers in the state, like of, of the top three engineers, civil engineers in the state. Wow. And she told me once that, you know, she, cause we were worried, I was worried about going on furlough for the winter. And she, and she overheard me and she said, Mark, you will never need to look for a job. If you ever need work, just come find me. It's like, okay, thanks for the golden ticket. You <laughs> yeah, know, right. I never cashed it in, but uh, that's another story. But so I want to believe it was that, that they, that they believed I could handle it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know I could, you know, uh, I think that uncertainty, uh, again, I, I, I feel like I'm just lucky that I'm that way. I don't, you know, how so, much of how I am isn't always practiced. Yeah. You know? Um, you hit on a, little, uh, a couple points there. So most recent one is like that you you didn't realize you were ready for it. Yeah. Do you have you ever had that imposter syndrome feeling then? Yes. Uh. Yeah. So imposter syndrome is a real is a real thing, of course, and it's a real. Um, I think it's it exists in the thinking. The person who is I don't want to call myself like intelligent. That sounds pretentious, but 
But, you know, an intelligent person or someone with who has a lot of dignity, I think, suffers from imposter syndrome because you worry you the way it works for me is you and maybe many others is you you worry about the main thing is you worry about are, are you worthy right yeah. are, are you capable of doing uh or you're taking it seriously and you want to have a good outcome and that kind of like correct gets so, you in that nervous state using that that story as an example i felt like an imposter for about half that day. Okay. And I want to say, I to me, I was I I expected to feel like an imposter the entire day. So for me to for for me to find myself as a leader halfway through grief. it, yeah. yeah once I, that I thought, man, wow, I'm I'm really ahead of the curve. Let's say, right? I really felt like, wow, I didn't think it was going to happen that quickly. But I remember the moment too. There was a, um, I was struggling, you know. I, I had so many things to worry about on my plate for what was going on and keeping a schedule. And then on the side, I had to worry about this, this old greasy Italian, you know, guy who was supposed to be my partner who mm. was just not really doing anything. He was, he was your laissez-faire, let's say, that you mentioned earlier. But his laissez-faire was working against us because I yeah. was, I the responsibilities were falling on my lap. So his, we were split up when we split our crew. Um, for whatever reason, he was fine to take orders from me. I mean, he was that lazy of a person. So I, I said, "Okay, fine. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna abuse this. But as long as this guy keeps listening to me, I'm yeah. gonna tell him what to do. Yeah, if it, if he's if he's working, he's working. That's it was the only need. way I could get something done with him. Yeah. So I gave him when we had to. He's like, "Well, what do you? He's like, "What do you want to do? Like, he, you know, he had the kind of attitude too. Like, uh, well, like he's really teaching me by asking me to make a decision. And I'm thinking, um, I don't have a problem making decisions. I need help making good decisions, but I don't have a problem making decisions. Yeah. So once he came at me like that, I was like, okay, I see what it is. You're just lazy. So I didn't waste any time when he came at me like, he's like, well, what do you think we should do? I said, well, we're gonna we'll split the crew up. I said, I'll give you uh, half, or I'll give you uh, most of our, 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 not most of our crew, but I'll take. Um, I'm, I'm fumbling here. I gave we split the crew, right? right? And I think the difference was like two people. So like right. I had two people more than he did. And I said, you'll you'll take this these exits so that we can keep going down the main line, right? And mm-hmm. I need these two other guys for that reason because I need the one more attenuator than than he had. Well, he should have been fine. Where are the accidents? Both accidents that occurred were with his crew, not with mine. I don't know if that says anything, but that's yeah. where the problem was. Okay? Was it accidents uh, amongst the crew members, or was it an accident amongst? They were the, other commuters. The no, they were other commuters that ran into our moving clo- our moving closures. Really? Yeah. So, uh, again, that's those, those are stories in themselves. And I let my crew continue while I drove over to each accident that his crew was having to help adjudicate, you know, the problems there to get it moving. So I was bouncing around the highway. I did, you know, and trying to keep up like timing this in my head. That's And so when I, when that happened, when the first accident happened about halfway through the day, after I drove over to him to deal, I dealt with the police I even dealt with a woman trying who cut through. She cut into the middle of our moving closure because she wanted to get on the ramp <laughs> and instead of just going to the next damn exit. Yeah. So I had to I had to yell at a you know a random stranger in their car to get them the hell out. I'm like you're you know you're posing every you know it was a safety threat. I'm like lady get yeah. your fucking car out of this. What are you doing? Are you nuts? You know. <laughs> so I had to deal with that. I had to deal with the cops. I had to deal with his crew. I had to deal with. The uh, the accident and I and I got his crew moving mm-hmm. and then drove back to my crew right who was thank God they were they they again they were doing a good job I didn't have to tell them they knew what to do they work on the signs on the highway every day when there's yeah. issues so what am I all they needed from me really was for me to look at it and tell them it was okay yeah if they couldn't do it exactly to plan because that's my that was my job was to make sure everything was done to plan so if anything was like a a quick fix or a Jimmy. I had, to, I had to give the, I, you know, because it's, we we're on a time limit. I'm the one who makes that decision. Right. And those were decisions I'd never made. I'd never, you know, I'd just seen the rules for, you know, highway trusses, you know, of a certain, of that, that particular signage, like that day, that morning at like 4 a.m. <laughs> so it's like, you know, so that's so, I'm, I'm rambling, but that, the fact I remember thinking, boy, I I kept my crew in my mind the whole time, and I the whole time I had like a clock running, a timer yeah. for the time spent with his, and how long it would take me to get back to mine, what their issues might have been, how I had, and then when I got back, I just felt so accomplished and in control of what was going on, and that was the moment. The rest of the day for me was just like I'd been doing it for years, and that felt really good. That was very 
you know, a very rewarding feeling. Yeah, I've I've felt uh, imposter syndrome before. Yeah, so but, to, give but, me an example. Tell me. So like, uh, I guess like um, something that I felt that way was when uh, I started riding horses that mm. I, I didn't know I was ready to ride. And then like Mario or whoever's like, get on this horse. So I'm like, what? Like that horse? Like, really? He's like, yeah, you think you can do it? I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't think I can, but I, yeah, I can do it. You won't say no. <laughs> but um, um, the thing is, it's like what I quickly learned, though, is if I'm put into a position or on a horse or something or into a fight or whatever, if I don't think I'm ready, well, someone thinks I'm ready. Mm. I must be ready then. Mm-hmm. Like, it, just because I don't feel it doesn't mean it's not true. I, I, I'm still... I can still do the what what's needed. I can still ride that horse. I can still perform this fight. I can still do these these duties that are needed of me because they wouldn't put me in that position if I couldn't do it. Yeah. Right? Like they they people above me know what they need done and they know my level and they've experienced people in my position before so they know how to deal with, you know, people with my level of uh, expertise and whatever I'm trying to learn. So I kind of like threw myself out of that really quickly. It's like, well, I'm not an imposter, right? Because I'm clearly these people believe in me. So then that means I can do it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's not if if I've worked my way to that spot, I'm not an imposter because I've done the work to to prepare me for it. Right. That's how that's why I'm there. And so it's, to me, it's like imposter syndrome is like a, it almost feels like a lie. (laughs) It's like my brain's lying to itself. I think of it as a test. Um, because it makes me think of, you know, a lot of people have a problem. I, I Technically, I have a problem with authority, too. But some people, for example, take it very personal if you're, let's say, your boss or someone um, in charge of teaching you or making sure you're doing the right job tests you, right? They find that very, uh, I don't know, like egotistical, I guess. And it can be. But I, I find that being tested is actually a good thing. I... I find myself testing other people, even when I'm not in in any way, you know, in charge of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I just have to work with them, or I'm near them, or I just care about what they're what they're well, doing. Yeah, you got to know where you stand with them and where they stand, right? You got to know what they're capable of and what they can handle and what they can't. And the only way to do that is to either actually test them or to wait for an event to test them and observe how they react. Right. Yeah, I think the wrong way to do it is like the example I gave of the old Italian guy to to just be presumptuous, to just sort of like, you know, pretend like you're a kung fu master asking a student like, you know, well, you know, oh. how is it done? Well, what would you do? Or why do you think this without having, like you said, established knowing anything about what my abilities are? Or yeah, what I lack or what I'm good at, you know? Yeah. So that then it then it definitely that was is. A- that's another thing John Maxwell hit on is that experience is not the best teacher necessarily because like you said that guy's been doing it yeah for 20 years plus well I think you mean seniority well seniority <laughs> yeah. Exper- but experience, experience is a good too. teacher yeah but it's, it can be but what's more important is self-reflection yeah is to reflect on those those instances which is like what we were talking about with like what did you love and what did you learn so you mm-hmm. need to reflect on what you're what you did in that day mm-hmm. in order to to learn from those that day's experiences right um at the times that i've had to deal with lazy people um at like at work is uh what i've done is is like some people just like to talk right they don't r- really they, they they'll do work but they really they just want to talk to someone they're 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 lonely and bored and like they need something to occupy their mind so if you can get them sometimes like to to do work while talking, which is what I did with this one guy. He just like, if, if you let him, he'd just stand there and talk to you. But what if you asked him to like wipe down lances, like, and they're like, Hey man, let's go wipe down these lances real quick. And you're like, yeah, dude, let's go do that. Like they do look pretty dirty. So like we go wipe them down and then like, but he'd be talking the whole time, which is fine. Like I get that, but he's doing the work that needs to be done. So I do like things like that. Um, getting people to do things that in the way that they think it's their idea mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. That so I used an old trick <laughs> at medieval times when I was working with uh let's just again I won't name them. They're just two individuals that didn't get along and weren't good workers. And I was often with them mm. backstage. So a lot of times they'd be screwing off and not actually accomplishing anything when there were things to get done. 
So what I would do is because here's what here's what I, my old trick is. We can all think of moments where, uh, you know, let's say a manager or boss shows up and says, well, what's going on around here? Why isn't everybody working? How come you're not doing this? And just right away starts barking. Right. Yeah. I find that, yeah, that will get people moving and working, but they aren't motivated yet. So what they're doing is still very lazy and the quality is most likely like subpar. Mm. So rather than be the barker, what I have found works very often is move into the space where these people are and start doing the jobs yes. that need to be done and, and, and do, and do it somewhat aggressively and, and silently because usually people who are lazy are talking, right? When they're wasting time, they're mm-hmm. talking with other coworkers or yeah. doing whatever. And so you, you will get noticed, right? These people aren't blind. They're going to notice that you're working and they aren't. Right. And I think even a lazy person, even the laziest person usually has some, amount of dignity right no like again no one wants to feel like they're the problem or that they're the bitch if yeah. you want to call it that yeah, way right and, and that's essentially what i'm doing when i when i that form of manipulation is i'm trying to make that lazy person feel like a bitch like like they, <laughs> you know what you know like oh we're over here working and, and now that'll often be my response because sometimes like in that case they would be like oh look at you know look at marco go look at he's he's really working hard and i'll say something like yeah i'm here to work not play around yeah that's all i'll say I didn't bark at them. I didn't directly tell them that they need to get moving. Yeah, but you made them feel real shitty. <laughs> exactly. I made them feel shitty. And that motive, now they're motivated to actually do something. Yeah. Now they may break down again like a lame, like, like a Diamocho. And they yeah, will. They will. But you've got to, you've got to be, the, sometimes you're the rock. You've got to be yeah, steady. You, I think that's a part catalyst. of leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I think you that's know, a good that's part something of it. I learned in uh, college was that like uh, a village elder would start to sweep or something like that. Yeah. And then someone would take the broom from them. It's like, no, no, that's yes. not for you to do. Exactly. Like, I'll take care of it. Exactly. And it's like, it's like, that's what, that's that can what motivate a whole village. That one man picking up a broom. Yeah. Can, it's a domino effect, mm-hmm. right? It can motivate everyone in the village then to start working. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's part what of what I do. And that's part yeah. of leading by example as well. It's like, like people will see that you're doing it. It's like, oh, I need to do this. Like that he, sh- either he shouldn't be doing it or I need to be doing it with him. Right. Yeah. Depending on how much, you know what position you're you're in and you know stuff like that but so can you let's let's hear a story from you about what you what you loved and what you learned oh it can even be recent because i know you're you're in a managerial position now oh not yet well even if it's not work related can you think of a moment in your life where um that stands out in your head in your mind so just getting like um just getting people to like think things are like their idea to like, I had a roommate before who was really bad about like cleaning up after themselves. So if I could get him to like think that we should clean on a certain day, mm. it's like without saying it, you know, without like saying like, we need to clean this room, but like getting him to say that, like, yeah, we should probably clean this room up. It's like the, getting things like that is, is something I learned from like, um, people that were just lazy and didn't really want to do things like getting them to think that it's their idea to, to act, to be active like that, that really helps. And I, and I like that, you know, that's something I like the, that ability to get into the psychology of, of people's like way that they're thinking and getting to learn them and, and how to, uh, how to lead them and, and to, into getting goals accomplished. Well, I think there's, you know, the nice thing about life is that, uh, there's always an opportunity for something new to come along and uh, totally test you uh, as far as your leadership qualities are concerned. And I'm always kind of looking forward to it, you know, even though I find it, I'm always, you know, there's always the element of fear or um, anxiety that goes along with it. Um, but it's, I've, that was another thing I've practiced in my life. It's some somewhere in my late 20s, I began teaching myself to, get excited when I feel fear rather than run from it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I was always running from it, but I felt like I was. So the, the idea, you know, just that convincing that negative, you know, reinforcement yeah. was not useful. Get so, psyched up, not psyched out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that has helped me a lot. Definitely through the years and uh, you know it's it's what i'm always going to apply when whatever is next in my you know the next chapter of my life very good well i think that's all we got for today 
unless there's any other points you want to hit on. No, just go out there, be good leaders, make good decisions. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're constantly working on yourself and you're getting better, you'll, people will notice, you know, and, and you'll, you can lead by example just by working on yourself. That's all that it takes. If you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, that also helps. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're still listening, then please consider supporting the show. We're working hard on our passion to create quality content, and we want to bring you much more. Indeed, we've got big plans for what we want to add to Audio Pong, and we'd also love to hear from you, the audience, on topics or content Zach and I can create for you. Visit AudioPong on RedCircle.com for more information on where to support the show and where to listen. Also, feel free to contact us directly through email with audiopong at gmail.com. Be happy. Be healthy. And, and have, have a metal, metal life. life.